This is the official podcast of the 122nd Fighter Wing. Views and opinions expressed do not necessarily reflect the views of the 122nd Fighter Wing, Air National Guard, or United States government. No endorsement of any person or business is ever intended. Welcome to Black Snake Bites, the official podcast of the 122nd Fighter Wing. Our mission is to inform, motivate, and inspire 122nd Fighter Wing airmen, attract new recruits to the U.S. Air Force, and promote engagement with the broader Fort Wayne, Indiana community. We hope you enjoy this episode. Welcome back to Black Snake Bites, coming to you from the 122nd Fighter Wing in Fort Wayne, Indiana. Your host today is myself, 2nd Lieutenant Rogers, and our guest is Staff Sergeant Jacqueline Graves. Jacqueline works in air crew flight equipment over in the operations group, and she is here today to talk to us about a special project she was able to work on. But first, Jacqueline, why don't you go ahead and introduce yourself? Hi, I am Jacqueline. Staff Sergeant Jacqueline Graves. I've been in the military for about 10 years. I started over with the Army Guard, and now, obviously, I'm in the Air Force. It's a much better choice. 100% would recommend. Uh, AFE is an awesome career field. We help our pilots maintain their fits and inspect their gear to make sure that it's good to go and that they're not going to have any issues and we pack their survival kits and their parachutes and just make sure that they're going to be safe. That sounds like a really fun job. You know, it's very hands-on, and I think it's really cool that you're able to pack their parachutes because that's obviously a life-saving tool that hopefully they never have to use, but very cool. Thanks. <laughs> it's very cool to be able to, like, completely unpack a parachute and then repack it. Um, it's amazing. It's absolutely amazing. If you ever get the chance to hold or like feel a parachute, it's so thin and it's kind of unbelievable that it does the job that it does. Yeah. Have you ever done a parachute jump? I have. You yes. have, really? Is yes, that part of your AFE training? No. So it was like kind of a spur of the moment. I came back actually from my job training, so the AFSC school, and there were some people visiting the base or like passing through somehow. Uh, and they were like, hey, do you guys do like a group of you want to come and jump with us? And we were like, yes, of course. Yes. So I got to jump with another person. So they were the one that actually pulled the shoot and stuff. But oh, my goodness, it's an amazing experience. I would also highly recommend if you ever get the chance. That sounds like a lot of fun. I'm a little surprised that in your AFE tech school, they don't have you like actually use the parachutes that you're packing and be like, hey, just so you know, you need to make sure you pack these really well because you're going to use them. <laughs> I would totally be down. Yeah. 100%. This interview today, um, it's sort of a spotlight interview because what we're trying to do with this podcast, we're just getting it off the ground. We want to be able to spotlight people who are doing a great job and have had the chance to do some really cool and amazing things and let other people know about it. So this interview today is highlighting something that you did. You were working at Wright-Patterson Air Force Base in Ohio, and this was between the months of August of 2020 mm -hmm. to yep. January 2021. Yes. And so can you tell me about what this project was and what your part in it was? 
Yeah. So I went over there initially. My shop supervisor kind of sent out to everybody in our shop. So with maintaining all of our pilot's gear, we also do a little bit of sewing on the side. Some of the harness pieces we have to put together, we have to put on. And I kind of sewed and stuff anyway, like here and there for my own personal projects. When he was like, hey, there's this thing, it's going to be sewing and it's over in Ohio. I was like, yeah, I'll give it a shot. Because you you lived in Ohio at that time, right? No, I actually lived over here. So I was in the process of closing on a house when I was here and going over there. It was going to be initially two months. I was like, yeah, I can do that. That's totally fine. It'll be great. I'll come back and hopefully have closed on my house. And like, it seemed like it worked out just fine. I went over. Um, I got to meet David Huckabee. He is a senior fabricator over in the uniform office. He's amazing. He's been in the textile industry for over 40 years. I can't say enough wonderful things about him. He's absolutely amazing. So basically, when I got there, he already kind of had a pattern worked out. You want to talk about what this project was that you went out to help with? Yes. So maternity flight suits. All of our female pilots and air crew on like the uh, heavies don't have a suit that's designed for them while they're pregnant or like in the beginning of their pregnancies and stuff like that. Finally, this had become kind of a bigger, like more seen issue. We were finally able to get a fix. Somebody was like, hey, this is a really big issue and it needs to be fixed. That's what I ended up going over for. Yeah, so the problem was essentially that female air crew, not even just pilots, but women who worked in airplanes, they just didn't have flight suit that was compatible to when you're pregnant. Yeah. And yes. that's obviously a problem because that's it a huge problem. would yeah. impede you from doing your job. Yes. Um, our flight suits are fire retardant. They're not fireproof, but they're retardant. So a lot of female pilots and air crew would just get a suit that was like two or three sizes too big for them. And they'd roll up the sleeves or like make their own adjustments if they didn't go and get it altered on purpose. And that would, of course, have been something they would pay for themselves mm-hmm. to get it altered or to get a new yes. flight suit that was big enough. Mm-hmm. Um, and then they just, it was very ill-fitting, as you can imagine. And as far as fire retardant goes, if it's not like close enough to your body, the flames can just travel right through your suit more or less like right that. up your sleeve and like right up your pant leg and stuff. So having a good fit is a big, is a huge safety issue. I didn't even think about that, of course, because you need to not have enough space that the flames can yeah. get through to your skin. And yes. Yeah. Yeah. And it's honestly kind of scary because all of our females were kind of put in such a crappy position and they still want to finish the mission and they still want to do their job and they still want to show up to work and they want to do a good job. But something as simple as a uniform that just doesn't fit right is... It's a showstopper. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, and I was just thinking, too, when I was doing some research for this episode, you know, if you've got this uniform that's two or three sizes too big and you're sitting in a tiny cockpit and with very little space to move around, I can only imagine how difficult and uncomfortable and annoying that must be. Oh, yeah. On top of already being pregnant and having swollen joints and all that good stuff, just having to deal with all that extra 
Yeah. For sure. So you got orders, right, to go mm-hmm. to Ohio. Yes. Mm-hmm. So what was that like when what what did you start working on when you first got there? Oh, okay. So when I first got there, um, David had the pattern kind of already set. And basically, we ripped out the side seam on the flight suit. So it was a man's flight suit. We ripped out the side seam, and then we kind of put the panel in and closed it up. That's kind of like the broadest way to describe it. And panel being just a, uh, something that w- would widen the mm-hmm. area yes. around the be- and the pilot's belly or the air crew's belly. Mm-hmm. So it was kind of like an elongated oval shape on both side seams, like right underneath basically your armpit, like right to the side. Um, and then we also did like belt extenders. So the kind of the elastic belt that they already had, we just made pieces that were a little bit longer. So they'd still like touch the Velcro and give you a little bit more kind of shape. So that way you could kind of adjust it as mm-hmm. the pregnancy progressed. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And okay. suck in the little extra material that you did have. Right. Yeah. So then you were there for two months on orders and then you got hired on, correct? Mm-hmm. Yes. I got hired on um, as a contractor and I stayed until January of the following year. And we continued to work just trying to make the pattern correct and then between it actually getting approved to go to the manufacturer and like getting pushed out to all of our air crew, we were doing in-house modifications basically. So I don't know how many suits we ended up uh, modifying. David, I got to talk to recently, just finished, I believe June of last year, doing the modifications. So these modifications, you were receiving actual air crews mm-hmm. suits that were are currently flying, and you modified those for them. So they would send their um, POCs would send us like a new suit, oh. um, and most generally it was um, a man's size. In general, fly suits come in men's, women's, and misses. Men's is obviously like very straight because of the way men are shaped. Um, women's is a little bit more curvy because. It's kind of assuming that they've already had children. And then Missy is still curvy, but a little bit more straight so that it kind of fits a little bit more an athletic body type. Sure. And we were modifying like each one as it came in. So it could be a man's suit, women's or the Missy's sizes. Okay. So when you got these suits, how long did it take you to first finish the suits? And then did you have sort of a set... Uh, way to modify them based on the woman's measurements how Mm -hmm. did that work yes so we had panels um to kind of match the suit sizing already david basically had it set up where it could be like a short medium or long which is the way that the suits come in the first place and then it was based on 36 missy short and then we would find the panel that goes with it cut it out and then put it in the side if i toward the beginning It was very, very long. But toward the end, getting a suit, doing the modification, taking and cutting the panel, ripping the seam, putting it in, it was about an hour and a half, maybe two hours, and it was done and ready to be shipped back out. That's amazing. How many flight suits did you and your team work on while you were there? Close to, if not over 100. There were some weeks that we would get... We would get like 12 suits, like here and there. It wasn't 
in every week, but then we'd get like an odd five or three or eight. It just completely depended on the week. Okay. That must have made such a huge difference to those air crew when they got those flight suits back. Did you ever hear any stories? No. No, no I didn't. I I wish that I would have. Yeah. Um, And some of the suits, the panel didn't always like to sit in like absolutely perfectly, which was really frustrating because I like making sure everything's lined up and that it looks good because I want our air crew to look good. I want it to fit well and... Yeah, you want, you know, in the military, you want to put forth a professional yeah. look and yes. you want to, you know, look like your uniform fits. Like, like you didn't my work. Right. Yes. You didn't just walk in off the street. <laughs> <laughs> yes. We kind of talked about the safety aspect of the maternity flight suits. One thing I thought was really interesting when I was doing some research is that there was a time in the U.S. military when if a woman became pregnant, she was discharged. And that ended in the 1970s. And, you know, now we have equal opportunity policies, which means you discriminated against because you are pregnant. There's still other barriers sometimes that can pose problems. And one of those being that if you don't have a uniform that fits, then you might not be able to do your job safely. Like you mentioned the safety aspect of, you know, if there's a fire and your uniform's too big, you are not the uniform's not protecting you anymore. You might not be fitting in necessarily to the workplace if you don't have a fitting uniform. Is there any kind of anything you want to add into that? We are in the military. Looking similar is a big deal. Right. And like you can very easily pick out who adjusted their uniform. The right fit is a big deal. I mean, for any job, it just allows you to do it better. Yeah, one quote I read, and I'm sorry I don't have the who who said it, in one of the articles I read, owning a one-piece suit of their own can also help foster a sense of belonging and unity at a time when female airmen may feel increasingly different from their peers. So you got to think, you know, you're pregnant, you're kind of going through a lot of changes mm -hmm. physically, mentally, and yeah. um, so... I can't even imagine just how big of a deal that must be for the women that are getting those flight suits that you worked on, just feeling more comfortable at work. Yeah. And I got to kind of brief over some of your quotes and comments, and that one I completely agree with. It is a big deal, and it's it's such a job changer when you're comfortable. Also, in like a smaller space like the cockpit or kind of backloading and unloading things, Getting caught on equipment that's kind of sticking out or a sharp edge, you don't want something that's really, really big and ill-fitting to catch on it and like rip basically your clothes, which makes it even more less fire retardant. Yeah, it's it's such a big deal. And it's been a big deal for a really long time. And it's finally something that's getting fixed. And it's pretty awesome to be a part of. Yeah. So the Air Force spent uh, initially in the first phase of the maternity flight suit project, they spent $540,000 to create 2,000 one-piece maternity flight suits. Can you tell me more about the phases uh, of this rollout? Because you were working on the first phase, mm -hmm. correct? Yes. So I know the most about the first phase, getting the flight suits in, measuring them, 
working with the designers in the uniform office and working with David, the fabricator who made all of the panels in the first place, getting to see all of that and see like how everything went together and see how we need to make the modifications so that they would work and be effective. I was totally in that. It was really cool to see. I did get to meet a couple um, of our air crew. They happened to be at Wright-Patterson. So I kind of saw them as they walked through the office. Even they were super excited to like try things out and just give us their honest feedback. So the second was just kind of like defining it a little bit more. So instead of it being kind of the rough sketch, I guess, at the very beginning, it was kind of more refining. So when we were putting the tabs together to kind of extend the elastic belt, we made a couple different tabs so that they gave a slightly different look, but they still were functional and they looked appropriate for the uniform um, and they didn't stand out and make you look funky. And there was more than one panel that, that David created. And then into the third phase is more of like the um, getting it out to the manufacturer and then getting it into DLA and getting it to your point of contact within your your wing or your base so that all of our air crew can actually order them and find out their sizing and get more than the initial like 2,000 uniforms that they had already purchased and kind of pushed out for everybody to initially kind of get into. Yeah, you mentioned that June of last year they finished the, I think it was the first phase where they completed the the initial 2,000 suits. And I think that now they're kind of moving into that manufacturing phase, like you just mentioned, where female air crews should be able to order it themselves. The other thing I wanted to talk about was kind of how it works for air crew when when they're pregnant. Um, neither of us are air crew, so we're mm-hmm. speaking to this from from just kind of reading on it. From my understanding, female airmen are able to fly into their second trimester without a medical waiver, and that's a newer development within the last couple years, is my understanding. And that means, obviously, that these maternity flight suits are coming at the right time. Well, a little late, but later is better than never. In general, they're able to, to request to continue to fly, or they can also request not to fly. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I think this is, this is great progress because instead of become, when you're pregnant, instead of it stopping your career, you're still able to stay with your qualifications. You're able mm-hmm. to stay with your, your career path. Obviously, during the pregnancy and birth and postpartum process, you're, you are going to miss out on some things, but I do think it's awesome that Mm -hmm. female air crew are able to um, have a better opportunity to stay at work while they're pregnant. Mm -hmm. If that's what they they have the option. Mm -hmm. Yes. If someone's listening right now that is interested in getting one of these maternity flight suits, how can we direct them to find one of these suits? There are different ways that you can get these suits depending on the base that you're at. Um, also depending on the airframe that you service. For us, I don't know if it's just a guard thing, but our AFE, so me, you would come see me and I would help you find the right size and get you ordered. That's not always the case for everybody. So if you're just looking to like get it started, I would go talk to your AFE people or 
maybe your supply person on the lowest level and hopefully they can help you find the POC for like the bigger ordering of things. What did that experience do for you personally or professionally? Was there anything that you took away from it that kind of sticks with you today? Yeah. So overall, it's a big deal to be a female in the military, just in general, the military as a whole. I know that's kind of lumping everybody in, but it is what it is. We are, speaking as like a female in the military, having been in the Army and now in the Air Force, we are such a big part of the military. And things that fit us well, fit us so that we can do our job is a big deal. And it's been a big deal for a long time. And because we want to be present and we want to do a good job, we are making like these tweaks and adjustments so that we can stay in the fight and so that we can stay at our our duty station and our posts. And it's wonderful that we're finally getting kind of like the recognition, I guess. We are valuable. And these small adjustments a uniform that actually fits us so we can do our job is a big deal. It felt so rewarding to be a part of it and to be in like the construction, even getting the initial, I don't know what I'm really going over for. Like, can you just sew? Basically, I was like, yeah, sure. I'll go check it out. Cool. And then getting there and like seeing what it is. And even in passing, meeting some of our air crew that are actually going to use it and they were in the process like they were pregnant they were in um, multiple stages of their pregnancy it affects people it's a big deal it's going to affect them and then if they had a daughter and their daughter wants to join it's going to affect their daughter too it's so it was so rewarding to be over there and to be a part of these uniforms just kind of like a side nod There's also a female um, armament. I don't know if it's completely out. I know that it was being tested. It's like body armor with our security forces. It's really, really cool. And it fits females better so they can do a better job and they can access their equipment easier. I got to see that a little bit in the prototype at the beginning. I think before it got approved, it's really cool. That's awesome. So investment from the Air Force into creating more female-friendly air crew suits has also extended to security forces where you can wear a vest that fits you as a woman. Is that... Yeah. So they were complete... They were separate programs. Um, Oh, But I got to meet some of the people who were creating it and designing the, the body armor as well as work for the uniform office with creating a new suit. Um, So they're such awesome programs. And I didn't honestly know they existed until I went over there and I got to see it for myself. Also, like Air Force has a uniform office. I never even thought to ask about it. Yeah, I I didn't know about it either until I knew that you were working on that project. And that's why I'm so excited to have you on the podcast so that other people can hear about it as well, because I think it's very cool. Um, So that takes me to my last question. So our core values in the Air Force, we we learn these, uh, we talk about them a lot. Integrity first, service before self, and excellence in all we do. If you had to kind of use three words to restate the core values in the way that they mean to you, what three words would you use? 
I know it might be kind of out there, but go get it. Like, we as a whole are finally getting tools to help us do a better job. And there's no reason why you can't do what you want to do. There are so many excuses, and I am so guilty of it, just making excuses for things that I didn't think were possible or I didn't think I was capable of. But there honestly are people and there are programs here in the Air Force that I think are more readily available than a lot of places. And they are very empowering. They're so much closer than you think they are. If you just kind of get out of your comfort zone a tiny bit, you might happen upon somebody that does something really cool and they're looking for somebody. They're like, this is what I do, give you the brief overview. And you're like, yeah, I could fit there. Yeah, I can do that. Yeah, go get it. Be excited and go get it. Yeah, that's such a mindset thing. Because if you go into every situation, even some, even a job that you don't enjoy that much, and you have a mindset of, I, I look for opportunity, I, I find opportunity, you know, <laughs> being open to that, I think is huge, because you will find opportunities if you're looking for them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I like it. So you said go get it, right? Mm-hmm. Those are your three words. I like it. Yep. That's awesome. <laughs> <laughs> well, Sergeant Graves, thank you so much for coming on Black Snake Bites. Yeah. Thank you for having me. Absolutely. Everybody have a great drill weekend. Mm-hmm.